Wow. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Good evening, Kyle, for you and I. It's so good to see you guys' beautiful faces. I feel like it's been too long. I mean, honestly, um, I don't know if my fingerprints being on anything is all that, all that great of a thing, but um, kind words. I have so much love for you guys as pastor. You guys are so blessed. I have Pastor Daniel and Emily here. You guys, I hope you guys know that and you appreciate it and you show that appreciation to them on a regular basis. They could be doing a lot of, a lot of things elsewhere, but they've decided um, to pour their lives into students here because they believe in you guys. Um, they believe in what the potential that sits in this room here tonight. So um, show your love for them. I just, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so proud of the atmosphere here tonight. I've, I've been here since about 5 o'clock. I rolled into town, and you can tell the health of a group by what happens before and after a gathering because it doesn't take much to pull off a gathering with some sweet worship and, and somebody to speak for a little while. <laughs> okay, it doesn't take much. But you can tell an atmosphere or a culture or community is healthy if you hang out with people beforehand and afterwards. And I, I rolled in about 5 o'clock, and there was this crew of handsome, ripped men, a lot of them young guys, freshmen, sophomore, that are here with smiles on their faces, ready to serve, get their hands dirty, and a whole crew of them. And then, and then to be here for pre-service prayer. I've been to a lot of Chi Alphas. There's a ton of students here for pre-service prayer. That shows me that there's a hunger and that, that's caught from leadership, and that, that trickles down. It's so cool. And I know afterwards there's amazing community that happens as well. It's, it's so fun to be with you guys. Um, tonight I have a message for you that's on my heart. Um, and I don't really care if you remember too much about me or even my name or my face, but I'm praying that there will be a word here tonight that penetrates your heart and is applicable to you, that, that when you walk out of this place you're a little different, looking a little bit more like Jesus, seeing the world a little differently. Um, so the, the title of my message tonight is Nothing Less Than God's Best. Uh, you can probably see that on the screen behind me, if you can read. Nothing Less Than God's Best. There it is. And I really believe tonight that God's just going to raise the bar in your life for uh, what, you view, what you view as um, God's best for your life. And I feel like so often, so many in this generation are settling for so much less. And I don't want that, I don't want that to be the case for any one of us myself included. So I know I, know I look like I'm uh, probably 18, 19 years old, right? You guys all thought it. You're like, who's this kid? Hey, what's he trying to pull on us? But I'm 31 years old and I have four kids at home. I was a nuclear engineer in days gone by. Um, so yeah, I was a nerd in a, in a former day. And um, I have four kids at home. It means our house is, is a ton of fun. It's loud. It's crazy. We have a blast. And and the, the essence of childhood is, is always looking forward to the next best thing, right? The next, the next big thing, right? There's always some party coming up or some holiday coming up. Or right now for our kids, it's spring break coming up in a week and a half because their grandparents are coming. They're so super stoked. They can hardly wait. February was Valentine's Day, right? Candy, not because they have a Valentine, but because, you know, the candy, all, all the celebrations. Kids can hardly wait for the next big thing. So this last summer... Uh, early summer is my son's sixth birthday, and so my wife uh, spent a number of hours in the kitchen toiling over uh, baking some cupcakes for Bryce's birthday party, my son Bryce, he was turning six, and um, she put the cupcakes, these beautiful cupcakes on our, our kitchen table, and then shut the lights off and we went to bed. Around 5 a.m., we heard some, some noise in the kitchen, and my son, my son was out there shouting at his two-year-old sister, Addison, who's our third-born. And she was up on the table, sitting, you know, crisscross, crisscross applesauce, up on the kitchen, just chowing down on these chocolate cupcakes. 
just going after it and having a blast and not caring, you know. But obviously later she, she got sick. She got a tummy ache and all that. And my son was super upset. But my, my daughter was missing the essence of celebrating a birthday, right? The essence of any celebration is to celebrate with the people you love. And I feel like that picture of my daughter Addison sitting up on the table all by herself, gorging herself on these chocolate cupcakes is a picture of what happens when we settle for less than God's best. We we're kind of taking a shortcut, thinking it's the better way, and we're missing out on the essence of a celebration. It's to do it with people you love, am I right? The essence of a party and celebrating my son's birthday is to do it with him in the room, right? And she was missing it. And I feel like so often, that's us. We're like a two-year-old, chowing down on the cake all by ourselves, thinking, thinking it's going to satisfy some longing in our hearts, thinking it's going to do, to do the trick. But I find it time and time, time and time again in my own life, and I find it time and time again in this generation, that it's so much less than God's best. And so tonight, I want to impart a truth to you that me and my wife have just adopted over the last 10 plus years since we graduated from college, that we, we want to settle for nothing less than God's best. But what we're finding is that that path is an uncommon path. It really is uncommon. If you want to go after God's best for your life, I'm going to tell you you're going to be going against the flow. You're going to be going against the grain. People are not going to be cheering you on. They're not going to be patting you on the back. People will have all sorts of opinions about you. They may talk bad about you. It's an uncommon path. And tonight I'm going to highlight two aspects of that uncommon path. This path is marked by obedience and patience. Those are markers of this path that, that if you'll just adopt and say, okay, I'm willing to, to, to count the cost, I'm willing to go down this uncommon path, you're going to realize God's best for your life. And it's, it's so beautiful. It's so worth it. The things that are, are really worth it in this life, the best things in this life are, are worth fighting for, contending for, waiting for. Time and time again, it's worth it to wait, to contend, to fight. Things that come easy are never satisfying. So I'll tell you a little bit about, about the background to why me and my wife have adopted this principle in our life. I came onto the college campus at North Dakota State University. Go Bison. Yeah, we actually, the Bison actually play you and I, right? Right? Is that a thing? Okay. Go Bison. So I went, to, I went to engineering school at North Dakota State. Stepped foot onto the campus as an introverted, insecure engineering student. I love Jesus. But I had a lot of stuff that the Lord needed to work out in my life. And it was on the college campus. This is why I'm so passionate about the season you guys are in. Because it was on the college campus and my life was turned upside down. God just rocked my world. I didn't come to, to step foot on the college campus with this intention of being used by God or for God to do some radical work in my life. But that's what God does. That's what he's in the business of doing. And I know he's in the business of doing that in so many of your lives. I was talking to a number of you before the service. And God's... Just his hand is on you, working in your life, and it's so cool. So my sophomore year of college, we had a group of, at our Chi Alpha, maybe 50, 60 students. But God began stirring in a number of our, uh, these, these students' hearts to really actually listen to the pastor, the words our pastor was saying. Our pastor had been on the campus for 15-plus years. I'd known him for a number of years. We actually began to listen to the words that he said as he believed in us as college students Humble, you know, we didn't know much about the Bible or about Jesus, but, but he believed in us, and he believed that we could be used by the Holy Spirit as we step foot into college, college lecture, lecture halls or the dorm rooms 
the, the dorm halls. He really believed that the Holy Spirit could use uh, little old college kids like us. I remember us gathering early in the mornings, being seeking the Lord for God to do something on our campus. And by my senior year, we had moved to this theater that held over 300 students, and we were packing out this theater. Our, just all of a sudden, masses of students were coming to know Jesus. Many of my friends from my engineering classes were coming to know Jesus. Muslim students were coming to know Jesus. Atheist students were coming to know Jesus. As we graduated my senior year, this continued to grow. So many students coming to know Jesus. Not because of slick marketing or anything, any, any new charismatic personality. It was simply a move of the Holy Spirit amongst humble college students. And, you know, me and my wife, we experienced that on the college campus. And, and we said, you know what? We want to be a part of that. Not a, not a duplicate in every regard, but we want to be a part of really God doing a work through humble people just seeking after God, God moving on hearts, drawing in people. And so we, we moved out to Seattle with that burning passion in our hearts. that We wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And so we moved out to Seattle. I started working as an engineer for a little over three years, we began preparing ourselves for vocational ministry. I, I completely uh, validate a call to the marketplace. I want you to know that. If you're in this place and you feel called to the classroom or to, to engineering or to, to business, I believe God does that. He calls you guys to the marketplace, but he also calls some to vocational ministry. He calls some to the mission field. And we really did feel a call to vocational ministry. So it was in Seattle, and me, me and my wife, we began preparing ourselves for vocational ministry. And a little fact that I, I missed about our college experience is, is our college ministry was, was tied really intimately, intricately with a local church. So much so that much, many of the core students in Archive Alpha were serving in this local church. They were meeting there for early morning prayer. They were, um, they were there at the altars and, and evening services. They, they, they were... They were very uh, intimately intertwined. And so we, we had this conviction as we were praying this prayer in Seattle of saying, okay, God, wherever you want to take us, we'll go. We'll go anywhere you want us, anywhere you want us to go. We had this, this conviction that we wanted to be a part of something kingdom and holistic like that. And so we didn't know a soul in Iowa, but we got this call that, that there were two students at Iowa State that wanted to start a Chi Alpha. And so um, when we got that call, we, we were intrigued but we heard that there's a local church that was backing it, that, that, were, that were fully on board, that, that said, we believe in the college campus down the road. And that was really the kicker. We had opportunities to do Chi Alpha in other places. But for us, that, that idea of Chi Alpha being tied to a local church in a real holistic kingdom way was, was important to us. And so we made the journey across, across the nation and, and came to Ames. And can I tell you, over the last six years, we've seen God do some amazing things on the campus. And there's been this conviction in our hearts that there's more. But the more, and, and the more that we feel like God desires to bring doesn't come through quick fixes and shortcuts. It comes through this, this, this path of obedience and patience and contending and waiting on God. And over time, I believe there's a, there's a moment where breakthrough happens and God really moves as so we've adopted that principle for our lives, we want to settle for nothing less than God's best. In our lives, there's not going to be shortcuts. But I, I know that tonight, 
there's all sorts of uh, journeys represented in this room. Some of you tonight, I believe God wants to open your eyes to his best in your life, maybe in the area of dating and relationships. Maybe some of you guys are settling for something less. Maybe you feel like you're, you're tied to always be dating someone because of, of insecurities or whatever it is or social pressures. I believe tonight God wants to show you a new path, an uncommon path in the area of dating and relationships. Show you that there's, there's a better way. Maybe God tonight wants to open your eyes to his best in the area of your finances. Maybe he'll give you a vision in your heart to pay off your student loans, to kick butt with your student loans when you, get out of, when you get out of school in like two years. Just go after it. Can I tell you, that's an uncommon path. I don't know how many 40, 50-year-olds I know with student loans. If you have some vision for your life tonight where God opens your eyes to be crazy, radical, generous in the marketplace as he opens up doors for you. That's an uncommon path, but I believe tonight God wants to open your eyes. Maybe for some of you, God wants to open your eyes to his best in the area of, of alcohol and sobriety. Maybe you've struggled. Maybe your family history is, is just tainted with bondage and addiction to alcohol. That's my family story. My mom died as an alcoholic. My grandpa, before he encountered Christ, was an angry, abusive alcoholic. His dad died an angry alcoholic. But I'm telling you, if you're going to go after God's best, not everyone in your family is going to be patting you on the back and saying, great, great job, way to go. No, many of them will scoff at you. But God's best in your life is an uncommon path marked by obedience and patience. And maybe for some of you, God's going to open your eyes to that tonight. Maybe it's in the area of, of future family. Maybe you come from a, a family of you know, broken relationships. God wants to open your eyes tonight to his best in the area of family. Maybe tonight God wants to open some of your eyes to what he's calling you to overseas. People aren't going to be patting you on the back for that, but, but maybe he'll open your eyes to that. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, or it's going to be on the screen as you're all just staring at me. No one's looking, looking down at anything, so it's going to be on the screen too. It's not cheating, okay? Just live in a, we live in a new day. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to read a letter from a guy named Paul to his mentee, Timothy. I'll give you some context. We can actually find out quite a bit about Timothy's life. There was, there was a moment that Paul writes about where Paul and Timothy were in, were in a worship or a prayer service, maybe like this. And Paul says, I remember that moment when the, the leaders of the church gathered around you and they, they laid their hands on you. And there was a gift imparted on your life. They spoke a prophetic word over him. At, you know, at, a, at a, a, a prior time, there was this specific calling call, called out upon Timothy's life. And Paul brought that to, to his remembrance in one of his letters. Timothy was set apart with this specific calling. Just like, just like many of you here tonight, God's got a specific plan and a calling for your life. He also, he also takes note in one of his letters to, to, to Timothy's spiritual history. And two of the primary influencers in Timothy's life were his mother and his grandmother. So there's no real indication that, that Timothy had a strong father figure in his life. And I really believe that Paul became a, a strong spiritual father to Timothy. And so, so Paul, 
you know, years ahead of Timothy and his, his walk with Christ and his maturity in Christ. This is a letter he writes to him. This is what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. We'll stop right there for a moment. If we're going to go after God's best, nothing less than God's best. And that path, that uncommon path is marked by obedience and patience. We may be fooled into thinking that if we're going to choose to go down this path, this is a path of me mustering up more energy, working harder than everyone else around me. And it's all about me, just me having more gusto and passion. But right away here in this letter, what does Paul say? He says, be strong through grace. I know you guys have an amazing pastor, so you guys probably know about grace, right? Grace is unearned favor. It's a free gift, right? So how are these two ideas compatible? How is grace and obedience and patience? I'm saying the uncommon path is marked by obedience and patience. Paul is telling them to have, be, have, be strong through grace. How are they compatible? The issue here is all about our source, And man, I want to see you guys come alive to God's best in your life by flipping the switch. Flipping the switch of of what your source is in your life. This is not about you. This is not a a positive thinking pep talk. This is not about you becoming a better you. It's about you flipping the switch in your life of what the source is for you. It's not you mustering up more of your personality, more of your charisma, more resolve. It's about you becoming more dependent on Christ in your life on a daily basis. And Paul here opens up Timothy's eyes. And he says, be strong through grace. Jesus paid the price already. Jesus already has has made a way available to you. You got to just start dying to yourself and get more dependent on God. And there's a strength that's available to you in that. It's an uncommon path, though. In that second verse, then, he says, teach these truths to other trustworthy people. He's constantly telling Timothy that what God's doing in your life is not just about you. And God's best in your guys' life here tonight is not just about you fulfilling your destiny. It's also about you replicating things of the kingdom things of Christ and others. And Paul says that here, right here. I love this idea of elevate, what you guys are doing what, uh, with us. I mean, I shouldn't say you're just doing it by yourselves. We're doing it together, all of us together. It's going to be awesome. But the idea behind elevate is really this, this idea of, of replication, that God's imparting things into your life right now in this season, not just for you to be a better, yeah, God loves you so much. He would love you if there was no one else on the planet. But that's not the way it is. We live on a planet with 7.5 billion people. And God's imparting things to your life to then replicate in others. Me and my wife, we quickly realized that as we got launched out from the college campus and went into the marketplace in Seattle. We quickly realized as God rocked our world and we saw this move of the Holy Spirit on the college campus, we, we walked out to Seattle just expecting revival to follow us. And we got there and we're like, hey, no one's coming to us. No one's flocking to our little condo here on the water and saying, teach me about Jesus. They weren't doing it. 
So after a couple months, we had our obviously plugged into the local church, but we realized we needed to be intentional. I think Paul right here is opening Timothy's eyes to this lifestyle of intentionality. And God's best for your life is for you to think differently than those around you. It's not just a consumer culture that God is calling you into. It's this culture of replication. So me and my wife in Seattle, we started opening up our condo to marketplace people just like us. But we quickly found out with so many career young adults were lonely, living life all by themselves, and at their core, hungry for God. We just had to get them into the right environment, begin sharing our story with them, and soon our little, our little condo filled up with, with young adults. We ended up starting a young adult ministry at our church. God did an incredible work simply through this principle of replication. So let's see what, what he says next, verse 3 because we've only gotten two verses into it here. Verse three says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. I love this. So here, Paul brings this, this idea of going after God's best through three, three illustrations. The idea of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. So let's, let's break these down. First, he uses the, the analogy or the illustration of, of a soldier. And he says, be a good soldier. A soldier is given a mission, right? I'm not a military guy. I did work on a naval base in Seattle. Hey, Richard, are you a military guy? Or what? Yeah, awesome. So I quickly learned in Seattle a little bit about military life. But, but a good soldier has a mission, and every mission is time-sensitive. Am I right? So just imagine yourself, like, on mission, and maybe you have your binoculars. You're supposed to be checking out the target. You're supposed to be checking out the, the enemy, but you're kind of always looking off to the side. Maybe you see a pretty girl or you see some, you hear some bird twerp and you're just like ADD to the max. Like, oh, what's this over there? All right. Well, in that moment, what's happening? There's two things happening. One, you're vulnerable to the enemy. If you're looking over here and you're supposed to be checking out the enemy, you're vulnerable to the enemy. Not only that, your mission is time sensitive. So you're wasting time. So here's the thing. If you're going to go after God's best for your life, you have to realize that distractions are your enemy distractions are your enemy. And so we need to, we need to intentionally combat distractions. You're not the only one that's easily distracted. You can't just use ADD as an excuse. We all have that. We all struggle with that, okay? I'm there with you guys. I pray, and then my mind thinks about 30 other things. I have great intentions, and then I think 12, of 12 other things I should be doing. I'm there with you guys. But wouldn't it be sad if we spent our life on things that didn't matter? And so often when we're settling for less than God's best, we're settling for distractions. We're just being satisfied with distractions. Jesus said it best, obviously, what good is it if a man gains a whole world yet loses his own soul? So you guys here in this room, you need to be 
You need to be experts at discerning distractions. Is this, does this really fit in the category of God's best for my life? If it doesn't, just call it an enemy and, and, and cast it aside. So secondly, he uses the analogy of an athlete. Do we have any athletes here tonight? I mean, like collegiate athletes, sorry. <laughs> awesome. What sport do you play? Volleyball. Sweet. So last week I spoke at UIU. There were 12 different sports represented in the room at UIU Kyle. It was amazing. They're reaching a ton of athletes there at Upper Iowa. Your brothers and sisters just up the road, guys. UIU, the Peacocks. That's their mascot, the Peacocks, right? The mighty Peacocks. Panthers would probably pummel the Peacocks. Just in an open field, I mean, it's clear. It's obvious. I mean, the Panther, the Purple Panthers. But athletes are crazy disciplined, right? I give props to collegiate athletes. You guys are like working full-time jobs as athletes, and you then you have a ton of schoolwork. A lot of people work jobs. It's like crazy that the lifestyle of collegiate athletes. But athletes have to come to grips with this idea that there are no shortcuts. If they're at all going to be competitive in what they do, there are no shortcuts if you're going to be an athlete. And Paul says that. He says they cannot win the prize. Athletes cannot win the prize if they don't follow the rules. It's kind of like, yep, that's pretty obvious. you got to follow the rules of the game if you're going to be competitive, if you're going to win the prize. I mean, how foolish would it be, you know, if, if the UNI basketball team showed up? Do they play at the Unidome or where do they play? McLeod, McLeod, yeah, they play there, and they show up. They hadn't practiced all week long. Obviously, like, they, they probably won't stand much of a chance. Or if, if you guys ever played, like, high school football, they start in, like, early August with two-a-days, right? There's a reason, because you got to put the time in. You don't just show up with your first game the end of August and just, like, think you're going to be competitive at all. No, you got to put the time in early. And obviously, any time athletes try to cut corners break the rules, that out, the, the curtain's eventually drawn on them. So if we're going to go after God's best, we have to realize there's no shortcuts. We have to think of this, the discipline, the tenacity of, of, of an athlete. And thirdly, he uses the, the analogy of a farmer. I also did not grow up on a, on a farm, so I don't, I don't have any relation to any, three, any of these three illustrations. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a military guy. I'm not a farmer. But I did, I did work on, a, an or, on an organic farm in college, so I got that. And, and I quickly realized, being around farmers, and you guys probably know this in the Midwest, we all know a farmer, right? If you, if you didn't grow up on a farm, we know a farmer. And farmers are the stinking, like, hardest workers on the planet, am I right? Like, December is every farmer's, like, hate, most hated month because that means they have to sit around a little bit more, and they hate it, right? Like, they, the winter is horrible for farmers because they're all, like, just, there's something in their veins that, that, that pumps for, for work and sweat and building things and cleaning things, and they're just, like, such hard workers. And Paul points to farmers as ones that, like, they, 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 they get to taste the, the fruit of their labor. Because they put the time in. 
And I remember working at this organic farm. Honestly, I had a blast with it. I was working with Chi Alpha guys. Two summers, I worked on this organic farm, meaning we, we'd walk the fields with a hoe and we'd just manually weed these fields. And we had a blast doing it from 4.30 till about 2.30 in the afternoon. But I quickly realized this is hard, tedious work. And in our pursuit of God's best for our lives, we need to realize that laziness does not make it. It's just not going to cut it. And this is not a hard work out of our own human effort that we muster up, out of our own you know, um, uh, personality and our own self-will. This is, this is a hard work that's birthed out of the grace and the sufficiency of Jesus. So as we flip the switch of the source of the strength of our lives and we say, okay, we are strong through grace, now we're going to go after it. We're not going to be lazy anymore. I'm not speaking down on you guys. I'm not. I'm there with you in the trenches saying laziness creeps into my life and I often have to tell myself laziness is not going to cut it on this uncommon path. It's not. There's an uncommon path that God is charting for you And laziness is just not going to make it. So let's see what else he says here in verse 8. He says, Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This man was legitimate. Paul was the real deal. He's like Daniel Quimby. He's the real deal. And Paul was a man who was not in theory saying, I'd be chained, I'd be willing to endure anything. No, this man had been beaten and you know, put away at sea and been in house arrest and he's been chained, literally chained. And he's saying, you know what? It's all worth it. I'm willing to endure anything for the sake of Christ. I don't know. I don't know if I could say that. I'm praying I'd be able to. But I know that's God's best for my life, and I know it's God's best for your life. That you'd come to this place where you'd say, I'm willing, God. I'm willing. I'm all in. I'm willing to endure anything for the sake of Christ. I want to end with just a couple stories to bring this to life of what God's best could look like in your life. I had a student a friend that was in my small group during college. His name was Aaron. We encountered Christ together. I hope you guys are a part of a small group. Kyle small groups. It's not just a, a program or a thing we do. It is the lifeblood of Kyle. It's where real community happens. You can only get to know people so well in, in this context. It's in small groups. You lock arms with your brothers or your sisters, and you go after Jesus. It's so cool. And Aaron was like that for me. He just became a brother. So much so that I got a job out in Seattle as a nuclear engineer, and he also got a job out in Seattle, the same company. And so he, he came out there as well with me and my wife. And so I've, I've had a, like a, a front row of, of, as we've obviously stayed super connected. He just texted me last night. We've stayed super connected over the last 10 years now. I've got a front row watching him walk this uncommon path. And here's a guy who's been called into the marketplace. So I want to make that really clear. God's best for your life doesn't mean you need to go to the front lines of North Sudan or, or Oman, although he may be calling you there. For some of you, it may be 
to the marketplace. And for my friend Aaron, it's been that way. But you know what? Maybe on the outside, people would say he looks like others. But as I've seen the, the interior of his life, he's charting a course down this uncommon path. It's like by, 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 um, by choosing to be obedient to God's call into the marketplace, it's almost like he's working two full-time jobs because he's so committed to his local church. He joined a downtown church where him and some other marketplace young adults started a ministry to at-risk youth. The city that we were in is Bremerton, Washington. It's a real, it's a rough town. It's a Navy town. People come and go, no one cares about that city because no one's there for longer than three or four years. So a lot of hurting youth And so they, as marketplace people, with resources, with leadership skills, they said, let's do something about this. And they started a ministry, a coffee shop and and a thrift store, an opportunity to give some of these youth jobs. It's incredible. It's it's helped transform this community. They've planted a church, and this church has exploded. He serves on the board in this church. I mean, I'm just so proud of, of the man of God that he's become. He's bounced all over all over the the company that he's at because he has influence. What Pastor Daniel and Emily are pouring into you guys is not just so you can be better Chi Alpha students, although that's, that's part of it, but as you get launched out from the college campus into the marketplace, these are skills, people skills, uh, kingdom skills that are going to translate to real influence in the world. And I'm watching that happen in my front, friend Aaron. I'm, I'm so proud of him. If any of you guys went to World Mission Summit, I was there. Were, you, were any of you guys there? Yes, World Mission Summit happened in January uh, down in Houston, Texas. It was a national Chi Alpha gathering. It was, it was an amazing experience. I'd never been to a World Mission Summit. It only happens every four years. But I went down there with some students from ISU as well and um, had an incredible time. But the very first night I got to hang out with, with another guy from my Chi Alpha small group. His name was Peter. Peter, me and him were in the engineering school trenches, and we stayed up late studying and we're both nerds. We, we giggle about math and stuff. Um, but very first night at World Mission Summit, he was in my room. My two kids were sleeping in the hotel room. And, uh, and here he was telling me about stories from church planting in Ethiopia. Him and his wife, he's got an engineering degree. He, he's, he was in the marketplace for a little while. But him and his wife felt called to go to Ethiopia, to urban Ethiopia, and plant churches, be a part of a team of church planters. So proud of him. You know, and some people ridiculed him. Fortunately, his family is all for it. They're excited about what God's doing in his life. But he's charting, he's charting a course down an uncommon path, just wanting to be a part of, of God's best for his life. I'm so proud of him. And finally, another couple, they're Chi Alpha alum. Their names are Ted and Jana. They're before my time. But they are Chi Alpha alum and dear friends of me and my wife. Dr. Ted, of this couple, Dr. Ted is a urologist in our hometown and respected one of that. He actually serves on the board of regents in, uh, in the hospital that he, that he works. So they're marketplace people. But what I love about what they, what, what they do and how they're pursuing God's best for their life is they're not just pursuing the American dream and kind of settling for this level of mediocrity. No, they see their influence in the marketplace as an opportunity to reach people that other people can't reach. So they actually contend, he's a doctor, a medical doctor, they contend for physical healing in hospitals, for divine healing in hospitals, where God could use medical science or he could use the power of his Holy Spirit to heal somebody's body. 
And they have all sorts of documented healings on their website. Um, people being raised from the dead, you know, kidney stones being dissolved. They prayed for my wife to be healed of kidney stones, and the Lord healed my wife of kidney stones so she could go on a missions trip. It's incredible. God's given them an anointing. But what's amazing is he's also respected in, in the world of medical science, well-respected. And now recently, they just planted a church because so many marketplace people, people that would never darken the doors of a church, of a traditional church, so many influential marketplace, marketplace people are getting saved. They're like, we got to start a church. So they started a church. It's called Burning Hearts in Fargo, North Dakota. It's incredible. They, are, they have over 300 people that are coming to their church already just because God is moving. It's Kyle Falam, guys. It's, it's you guys. God's, God's best for your life. To go after something that others are not. To chart a different course. To walk down an uncommon path. But the markers of that path are going to be obedience and patience. So if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. I have a strong conviction that anytime truth is spoken, God's word is spoken, it deserves a response from every one of us, at least an opportunity to respond. And so tonight here, I believe that some, some of us, our eyes were open to God's best, maybe some areas that we were possibly settling. Maybe it is in the area of dating relationships, maybe it's finances, maybe it's God's call on your life. Maybe it's you just finishing your degree. Maybe you've been wanting to give up on your degree, but, you're like, but tonight you're feeling like, no, God's best is for me to finish. I don't know what it is in your life tonight, but I really want to give you an opportunity to respond. Before we can do that, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. If you're here in this place and you want to make a commitment to Christ, You'd say, Drew, I haven't made a commitment to Christ. Or maybe I did in some day past, but tonight I know I want to make things right. If that's you in this place, if you'd just make eye contact with me, I would know who to agree with in prayer. If that's you, just look at me. Awesome. Is there anybody else? Awesome. If that's you in this place, pray a prayer like this. Lord, tonight... I realize my need for you, that I have tried to do it on my own and I always come up short. And so tonight I decide to finally surrender, to place my trust and my faith in you. I don't want to do it alone. I want my life to be fully committed to your ways and your best in my life. I commit my life to you, Jesus. Right now as the worship team plays, I just want you to respond to God. Whatever area it is that the Lord's maybe revealing in your heart, just take a moment to respond, then Pastor Daniel's going to come up and close.